BizQuick podcast hits on the struggles and advantages of being an entrepreneur. It's for anyone who's made the commitment to burn the boats and not look back. Are you a busy entrepreneur or small business owner trying to do it all? Then this podcast is for you. Corey and Julie will take you through the details of building a strong business. Hit the subscribe button and gear up for another episode of BizQuick Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to BizQuick. Today is a very special episode and it's not just because Corey and I are both here, because we're always here, but Corey, why is this episode so special? Today is our 100th episode. 100. Did you ever think we'd make it this far? Yes. Yeah, me too. (laughs) There was never a doubt in my mind. absolutely not. (laughs) All right. Well, in addition to it being our 100th episode, or maybe it's because it's our 100th episode... We have a very special guest today. We have Emily Frisilla. She is out of the greater St. Louis area. She's the founder of the Paper and Plan Co. She is a best-selling author. She runs the Women in Business Group. She's the COO of 44-7 Media. And she's the co-host of Curious Me Podcast. And there's probably more to it than just that, but we're really excited to have Emily on the show. Yeah, it's going to be a great episode today, and some of the things that everybody's going to have, um, some of the things that people have to look forward to in this episode, we're going to talk about resourcefulness um, and the importance of asking for help and how important your network is, because uh, Emily's got an interesting background when it comes to how she got into becoming an entrepreneur and the the hard lessons she had along the way. Mm-hmm. She's also going to... Um, talk about um, the importance of, you know, core values in your business and customer service. She's really big on customer service and always has been, and it reflects in every business she's ever had. So I'm really looking forward to um, you guys hearing all of the um, advice and the stories that she has to tell. It's a really good episode. But before we bring her on the show, we're going to talk about being resourceful and what that means to entrepreneurs. Yes, and that is a, a quality that I think every entrepreneur needs, whether or not it's uh, just a part of their personality or not. Because like, I think that's something that you can learn. Resourcefulness? Yes. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So, so some people it comes easy and some people they need training or experience or, or whatever. Yeah. And it's one of the things, like for me, that's one of the things that I love the most about a small business, owning a small business and, and everything that we do is it's that thinking on your feet. It's in the middle of a conversation or in the middle of whatever it is like, oh, I got an idea. Yeah, right, right. So how much do you think, you know, on a, you know, regular basis, we you use resourcefulness as a tool for for SBPs? I, I, I definitely use it daily. It's one of those things where, for instance, when we're talking about our podcast, for example, which mm-hmm. you're currently listening to. Thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're ever like never ending quest to make this better. We're trying to figure yeah. out different ways to improve the way that we record, how we market it, like all of that stuff. And it's every day there's just like those little things that like all of a sudden two things connect. You're like, oh, that's the thing that we need to do, or kick yourself because uh, why weren't we thinking of doing that already? Right. Right. You know. Yeah. Okay. I think. Um, I realize more, um, I, I've realized that 
recently how resourceful we've been without even really realizing we were being resourceful, right? So, you know, we're taking Zach Babcock's um, mastermind on podcasting because we're really committed to getting better and providing a better podcast to our listeners. But also we would love to, you know, just even grow, even though this is already a juggernaut, we'd love to make it a a bigger juggernaut? Is that a thing? Juggernauter? Juggernauter? I don't know. <laughs> I'll never say that again. <laughs> I won't either. <laughs> yeah, let's not say that word again. Um, but, you know, when we were in um, one of his um, classes and we were talking about um, sponsors and advertisers and one of the, and we told him that, you know, early on we offered people free advertising for their small businesses and really, you know, thinking that was sort of a win-win or was it a win-win-win? I don't, sometimes it's so hard to tell. Um, <laughs> I feel like our listeners won, our sponsors won, and we won, right? So it was a win-win-win. Sure. Okay. That we asked, we offered to small business owners the opportunity to advertise for free on our podcast. And it was knowing they would promote the podcast then. We got to, we got, you know, somebody to come on and do this and maybe more listeners for it. And our listeners got to learn about new products and took advantage of that. But Zach was like, oh, that's a great idea. I can't believe I never thought of that. And I was like, oh, look at us being all resourceful, right? So I think sometimes we don't even realize in the moment how resourceful we're being until later. And we're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, that was pretty smart of us. I don't, I don't mean to pat our own backs. I was going to say it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know that just sounded like I was like, yay, Julie and Corey, you're amazing. Yeah, there is no pat back patting no. uh, done at SB Pace whatsoever. None ever. Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> there needs to be more of it. Needs to be. Needs to be, yes. But it's, it, it, it is, in, in that instance, it was also something that was self-serving for us because we were learning, still learning, mm-hmm. we, as we always are. Mm-hmm. But it was a way for us to practice having ads, having to, to plug different businesses and, and work in just things that we weren't already doing. So it was just adding a different element to producing a, a podcast, which up until that point we hadn't done. Yeah. And, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I don't know. I think that um, resourcefulness is, you know, it's a key ingredient to being a successful entrepreneur when you, you know, find yourself at the end of the month, right, where I don't, God, that's how I know I'm really turning into a salesperson because I woke up this morning and I'm like, well, it's the 23rd of July and I haven't hit my sales numbers. I better get moving, right? I better get moving. I thought, Ugh. and then you start thinking, how can I, what can I do? Where, where, who can I call? What can I do to, to generate some revenue for the month? So I hit my numbers and it's just, it's crazy how your brain starts to come up with like resourceful ideas on what you can do. It, it is. And I always wonder how, like how those things, like they become so obvious to like me, for example, if I'm like, we're, we're talking to a client or I'm just doing whatever. And all of a sudden I'm just like, Oh, this is the thing that needs to happen. It's like everything just kind of lines up and it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then I wonder, I'm like, why did I think of that? Like, <laughs> how did I think of that? And how is this like a new idea or a new concept or, or whatever yeah. it is? But, uh, and I don't know, like, I mean, let's find a neurosurgeon scientist, whatever that can get on and tell us how the brain works. But... Hey, maybe Alex Vonderhaar can help us. Out maybe. That. Who yeah, knows? I mean, he's pretty yeah. good at this stuff, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how you're, you know, you you stumble upon these like really good ideas without even really with without 
they just come to you, right? As you're as you're working with somebody, like, oh, I know what we can do to solve this problem, and but that's all part of I think being being an entrepreneur is like you. Do you think resourcefulness is something? The more you do it, the more easy it becomes for you. It 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 is, and I I'm a firm believer of that kind of. Uh, I'm sure there's a better term for it than what I'm going to describe it, but like just picturing it ahead of time. So like envisioning yourself doing something before you do it and like walking through the steps of what that's going to be is just going to make performing it that much easier. And so for instance, here's an idea. Can you see my brain like just spinning over here? Cause this this is new information. Listeners can hear it as well, (laughs) but for, all right, true story, electrical fires. If you have an electrical fire, like in your house or something like that, you're not Mm -hmm. supposed to put water on it, obviously for obvious reasons. And so they say baking soda is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Never in my life up until that point, up until the point of the story, had I put out an electrical fire. I'm at work years ago, waiting tables at this place. And the bakery case, like in the server station area, the, the electrical in the back of it caught on fire and everybody's standing around like, I don't know what we do. I, I swear to God, somebody grabbed a pitcher of water. I, without even thinking, just walked in the back and grabbed the baking soda. I have no idea how, how I even knew where the baking soda was, to be honest. But <laughs> walk into the kitchen, grab the baking soda, and just dump it on the thing, put the fire out, no big deal. And everybody's like, oh, look at Corey, whatever. And I'm like, I didn't I didn't plan on this happening. But, like, I just know that, like, in my head, like, it had been beaten into my head enough times, I guess, as a kid, like, electrical fire, baking soda. And... And at some point when I was in the kitchen, I had seen the baking soda. So all of those things lined up. My brain was like, just act. You know it. You got it. There you go. I really think the moral of this story is you're a hero and you don't talk about that enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. But it's it, it's one of those things. Like the, I wasn't thinking at all. It was just that enough times in my life I had heard these things and my brain had already made that connection somehow, like in the dark recesses where nobody else should go in my brain and... And And nobody wants to. (laughs) But that's the baking soda. If you ever need it, for whatever reason, just tucked it away. And then all of a sudden I need it. And the brain's like, hey, got it covered. It's so interesting that that in your spare time, in your brain, or when you're, you know, ruminating over things in there, that it's like solving like life-saving things and probably (laughs) like fighting zombies and things like that. Whereas, you know, in my brain, I'm like, hmm, how many grapes can I fit in my mouth at the same time? <laughs> what happens if I put a raisin up my nose? That's right. That's the difference between Julie and Corey. Well, I'll tell you on another episode because I once got stuck stuck a raisin in my ear and I got stuck. So <laughs> we'll leave we'll leave you uh, with that thought in your mind. And, Fantastic. Uh, we're gonna bring in Emily and get this interview started. Yeah. Hey everyone, if you're like most entrepreneurs out there, time is not something you ever seem to have enough of. We get it. There are a million things that need your attention both in business and in your personal life. That's why we created Time Bomb. This is a self-paced course designed to help you determine what your time is worth and where you should be spending those precious hours every day. Right now, we have an option to buy the bundle, which also includes products designed to help you become more efficient with your time. It's a $70 deal you're getting for only an additional $30. Head on over to sbpace.com to learn more. Time Bomb. Take control of your calendar. Gain control of your life. All right. Welcome back to the show. And we've got Emily with us. Hey, Emily, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is a uh, big treat for us. And I know our listeners are going to love this. 
Hopefully, because there's no refunds, right? <laughs> there is not. And it co- and it's costing them their most precious resource, right? Time. Right. So, yeah. But luckily for most podcasts, they can uh, they can multitask while they're listening. So, right, right. Um, let's dive right in. And sure. earlier, Corey and I were talking about the importance of um, res- resourcefulness as entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And um, we're just curious what you think about the importance of being re of being resourceful, I don't know what's happening with my words right now, with being resourceful (laughs) (laughs) for successful entrepreneurship. I think it's that it's everything. You know, um, I had a very big slap in the face on how how to be resourceful very early on in my uh, entrepreneurship journey when I was 20. A little backstory if listeners don't know, I grew up on a farm. So a lot of times you see farmers and they have like all this crap in their barn that looks like it's a junkyard or something like that. But it's because when you live on a farm, you're not close to things and you, if something breaks down, you have to kind of be resourceful and find pieces from other equipment and things like that to make it work. Right. So that's kind of like the first way I was like dove into the resourcefulness mindset of I had, I grew up that way. You know, we didn't have a place in our town that sold socks or, you know, anything like that. We had a grocery store and I think a McDonald's and that was pretty much it. It literally had one stoplight when I was growing up. So fast forward, um, when I opened my first business, um, I had, you know, I was 20 years old. It was all ego at play. You know what I mean? You're 20 years old. You think you're like, hot stuff, right? You know, I got, <laughs> I own my building. I own my property. I had some employees. I thought, you know, entrepreneurship was like a genetic gift and I was just going to like catch it. Cause my dad was a successful entrepreneur, um, in the trucking and brokerage firm, um, industry. And, um, you know, I had to be resourceful because I did not manage my money. Well, at 20 years old, I knew nothing about business. Could have asked my dad who was great, but I was so proud. Um, I didn't want to ask for any advice. And so I just did it myself, didn't understand cash flow, invoicing, you know, nothing. I was like, oh, you know, you just order stuff and then you pay for it whenever. Well, guess what? In 30 days, you got to pay for that stuff. (laughs) And uh, so, and this is before like online banking and all that stuff. So you couldn't just like log in and see what your bank balance was. Well, I thought I had a lot more money than I did because I mismanaged my books. And um, essentially I had six full-time employees and somebody's paycheck bounced one time and they said, hey, the bank doesn't have any money to cover this. And I was like, wait, what? And you know, gloom and doom of like, you know, when something happens and you get real hot and you're like, something's wrong. And you're like in that, like, Oh crap. Oh crap. Oh crap. Mentality. That's where I was at. And, um, I went to my, I went to the bank and I was like, there's something wrong. I was like, again, my ego was, you know, out of control. And I was like, this can't be right. It's a bank that messed up. I've got all this money. And I didn't, I have $42 and 86 cents in my bank account. And I'm thinking, how am I going to pay the mortgage on my building, pay my employees, pay these bills? And I just, you know, you have those breakdowns, oh shit moments where you just want to cry and like, you know, crawl in a hole. And um, I had that for a couple hours. And then I realized like, okay, I went to my house, got my savings account, withdrew cash, told my employees, I lied to them and said, the bank messed up until it's straightened out, I'm paying you cash. And um So I had to be resourceful. I had to, um, you know, figure out how am I going to make money and build my account back up to keep all my employees, to pay my mortgage, to, you know, keep the lights on in the building. And so I feel like there's always two things. You're either resourceful or you're resilient. And sometimes you're resilient because you're resourceful or you're resilient. Therefore you are resourceful. I feel like those two go hand in hand. And so I like just got, I just got totally scrappy and I, literally started selling my scraps. I started selling dead flowers. I made dead flower arrangements. It was a floral uh, flower shop that I made. 
and I put dead flowers in foam and I used like this big glue pot and like paddles like foam and I made spider webs around it I would tie like a over the hill balloon on it and I started selling dead bouquets and they caught on like wildfire I literally started selling my trash in order to get money to get support my business I would take the flowers that were you know only had maybe you know four days left to live which is not enough time not long enough to sell it to a customer I'd take them around to the different shops in the um community with a card on the top of them that said, you know, thank you for being a part of this community, put it on their front desk where I knew they'd have a lot of people coming through like the checkout lanes and things like that to see my flower shop. I had really long hair almost down to my butt. I cut it all off um, for free advertisement because I couldn't afford advertising in our paper that went out to six different cities that I also delivered to. Um, and I donated it to Locks of Love and I did it, you know, obviously, yes, that's a good, good cause. But it was more so because I didn't have the $400 to advertise. So I knew if I got a haircut, our our uh, town always put like when people donated to that. And I knew that. So I was able to get free advertising off it. I became hyper resourceful to be able to keep my business afloat. And within um, about eight to nine months of doing that, I was well into the six figures um, in revenue because of that. That was a long story. Sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, that was a great story, though. And and mm-hmm. necessity, I, I, you know, I love that because, I mean, for most small business owners, just when you're backed up against the ropes, like you do whatever it is that you need to yeah. do. Uh, and sometimes you're not p- potentially proud of it, but it's everything that you yeah. need to do. And mm-hmm. and there's that that balance, though, because most small business owners, most entrepreneurs, they're they're uh, proud about what they are. They've got an ego They're you know, and they're mm-hmm. tenacious, but to a degree that can be detrimental because you won't yes. stop and ask for help. Like you said, you could have asked your dad for help or, mm-hmm. or advice and you didn't. Um, right. Where did you learn that along the way? The, like the ability or the need to just stop and say, Hey, I need a hand. It was whenever I realized I had $42 and 86. <laughs> I was like, okay, Emily, you do not know what the hell is going on. You need some help. So I hired my mom and my mom came in and she helped me get things um, straightened out she went back and did my bookkeeping for the last like year or so. Cause I had an accountant, but not anybody on the day to day stuff. So she came in and she started doing that on um, the back end of the office. And then she would just help me, you know, she was also a designer as well. So she'd help me throughout the business. So it took her coming in and kind of, cause she was the only one I trusted to like, Hey, here's where I messed up. Can you fix it? You know what I mean? That's what moms are for. Right. <laughs> this is on a much larger scale. <laughs> so I had her come in and it was honestly, um, it wasn't like a learning curve after that. It was literally when I was faced with that, I realized, okay, I have a problem. I need to drop my ego. I need to ask for help. It's okay to not know something. And at that point in time, I didn't know that because, you know, all of the entrepreneurs I knew were hyper successful. They all looked like they had everything together. They knew exactly what to do. There were never any like, um, you know, faults or cracks in their foundation. And through social media, I feel like that's a double-edged sword though, because a lot of people glamorize mm-hmm. uh, entrepreneurship when they're really not doing as great as they promote they are. Or, you know, it's it. what the benefit of it for entrepreneurs, it allows these entrepreneurs that are a little bit more transparent or learn lessons to share these to help young entrepreneurs, not age-wise, but young in their entrepreneurship journey um, to see like, Hey, it's okay to not know. It's okay to ask for help. And, you know, listening is more beneficial than speaking and things like that. There's just so much to learn. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a complete 180 whenever I saw that bank statement. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, not, 
not to the forty two eighty six, like those forty two dollars and eighty six cents, but definitely, you know, SB Pace, our business, Coronized business is a little, I mean, it's new, right? We're like mm-hmm. 16, 17 months into the journey, right? We started it as a result of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we started, we were both kind of looked at our bank accounts and said, all right, we can go, I got, we can make it six months was where we both felt like we were mm-hmm. comfortable. So we thought, well, within six months, we'll have revenue coming in the door, right? And, you know, we started with this mentality of if we build it, they will come, which is so ridiculous, right? You have, people have to know you exist to be able to do it. And, um, we got to that six month mark and we were doing a lot of work, but all of it was pretty much pro bono, right? Helping a lot of small businesses Mm -hmm. out. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's that seven month and it's eight month. And I can just feel like I didn't even really realize until we hit like December that, like how truly blessed I had been my whole life. Cause I had never worried about money. And then we got to yeah. December and I, my bank account was anemic and I yeah. was so stressed, but I, m- more than the stress, I was so ashamed of it and so embarrassed. And I didn't, I thought I was the only person who was having that kind of a struggle in re- literally the world in, in the year of like the worst, like crap that happened to small yeah. business owners financially. I thought I was alone and I couldn't, it took me, I knew in the middle of October that I was in trouble. I didn't mm. tell Corey until the middle of December. Yeah. And finally, I just like had this breakdown and he was like, holy crap, why would you not just tell me that? And I'm like, cause I'm, I was embarrassed. He's like, oh my God. Right. right? But right. it's like, it's so, it's so important to be able to not only, you know, understand the back off as part of being an entrepreneur, but mm-hmm. being able to be transparent about the things that are happening to you as an entrepreneur and to ask right. for help. Yeah. And, you know, and, and just what you, you know, what you just said is, you know, because your struggle financially, which, you know, every, every single entrepreneur struggles in their business financially as they're trying to build it or they're trying to grow. Because like you said, there's that mentality of, oh, if I build it, they will come. Well, that's, you know. They build it, they will come, but I have to do something to get them there is the, the complete yes. of that sentence, you know? And I find that as you share these things with entrepreneurs, um, if you're transparent with them, they become transparent with you because, you know, some entrepreneurs still hold the, hold this wall of like their ego up and they want, they don't want to show any faults. But if you say, Hey, look, I'm really struggling here. Did you ever experience this? Or is there any help, you know, you can offer everybody has learned so much in their entrepreneurship journeys that mm-hmm. someone is always willing to offer some sort of piece of advice. And it's just you opening up and showing kind of like, you know, showing your cards, if you will. And then they are always usually very hyper receptive. Like I've never met an entrepreneur that isn't willing to help another one because they all know that they've been there before. And it's just like you said, it's just, we just have to all like drop the ego and be like, I just need some help here, please. Yep. That's why networks are so important, right? Huge. Who you, who you network yourself with and associate with is so important as, especially as entrepreneurs, because you, if you're in that space where, you know, other people have already been there, where Mm -hmm. you've got people that are ahead of you and behind you, it makes that journey so much better because you can reach back and help other people, but you also have people ahead of you that you can reach out to and say, Hey, how do I do this? I don't know what to do here it's a support system as an entrepreneur, you know, this networking, it's a support system for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I have my women in business group and there's, um, you know, 75 women in that. And, um, we all help each other out and promote each other's businesses and things like that. But it's nice because, you know, it's, it's just being around people that you can completely be 
transparent and open with and share your struggles with without judgment. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of different, obviously like organizations and groups that can provide that, but it's just something where you know that you're not alone in this. And sometimes that's all you need to be able to keep going and to like, to open the, open the doors per se the next day. And that's one thing that like, we're just asking other entrepreneurs for help. And a lot of people, they like to keep their cards close to their chest, especially when they're talking to potential competitors or or people who are in the same space which I like, I come from a, a restaurant background and, and people are always like, for whatever reason, restaurateurs are always, they, they hate the idea of competition and I welcome it. Like I, I right. invite them in. It makes and, you better. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's the, the thing that I always strive for is like, yeah, I want you to try and best me because that's just, it's going to make me try and best you, you know, it's yeah. like mm-hmm. an arms race. You step up here, it's like an arms race. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Competition isn't bad. It's, it's just something, it, it keeps you in check, you know, because we all know those people that consider, you know, they think that they don't have any competition and then things can kind of start to slack off. You know, they, they mm-hmm. lose that, that, that edge to them because they feel like, oh, well, I passed everybody up. I can kind of lay back now. Or if they're at the top of their game, they get too comfortable. Well, then they're shocked when the person behind them starts to pass them. It's because you got comfortable. You didn't keep, you know, giving your best every single day. And, you know, I think that's another thing with entrepreneurship with like, and the ego play of it is that you forget about, how hard you had to work to get those clients or those customers that it's too easy for you to just, you know, to just say like, Oh, we're comfortable. We're doing well. We're growing. We can kind of, and they start cutting corners and stuff, trying to increase their margins and things like that. Instead of do what got you to where you are and do more of it and do it every day. Exactly. Exactly. I also think that there's a little bit of some scarcity mindset that comes into play there too, right? Especially when you talk about like your competition or, you know, partnerships. And, you know, I always try and think from the perspective of like, how can what we're doing, like who can we partner with that they can also take advantage of and benefit from, from Mm -hmm. what's happening in our business. And Mm -hmm. knowing that, that, that partnership, any partnership we form is going to be better for our clients. And it's also going to be better for another small business owner. And we can't be mm-hmm. about small business because that's, that's all we do. That's all we talk about as small businesses. And we can't be about small businesses and not help other small business owners along the way. Right. Yeah, absolutely agree. A hundred percent. Cause as, you know, that's, that's when you have a fair deal, you know, and it's mutually beneficial to both, you know, they're helping you, you're helping them vice versa. And that's what helps people grow. And it is like, I feel, you know, like what you said, a scarcity mindset of everybody wants to, you know, grab all the nuts they can before hibernation when they don't really like there's enough out there for everybody. And, you know, I tell that to my one-on-one clients that I coach is, you know, they, they're afraid to launch their business or that, you know, and I'm like, look, I had best-selling cookbooks. And if I didn't come out with that, if I looked at, I looked at the numbers, there's 30,000 cookbooks out there available on Amazon, but it wasn't mine. You know, and that's the thing is like, had I looked at that and said, well, there's all these other cookbooks, there's no point in me doing, doing it. I would have never done it, you know? So it's like, it's putting yourself out there and realizing that like, oh, you know what? There is, there is a market for this. There, you know, people want different things and people get so like paralyzed in fear that no one's going to like it. They're going to hate it, which that is obviously a natural reaction. I felt that I was like, is anybody going to buy my books besides my mom and my sisters, you know, but, (laughs) but it's just, it's getting through that mindset and realizing, you know what? Nobody out there is doing what you can do. And that's what makes it unique. And that's what makes it special. And that's what's going to make your business you. Yeah. Well, you'll be happy to know that I have your cookbook and we've been making recipes from it all week. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) But that that fear is is an important part that I want to kind of touch on there, because that's it's 
it's healthy to be scared of, of the unknown and scared of the new things. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, I mean, to a point, obviously it can be debilitating when you get a little too far into it, but (laughs) the, like, like how do you coach people out of that? Because we talk to a lot of people who have that, Oh, I want to start a business or I want to do my own thing, but they just, they don't have the motivation for, for lack of a better term. So, I mean, how do you coach people out of that fear? Well, most people that I coach have already started their business. So I work with a lot of um, small to medium sized uh, businesses that want to scale and things like that. But as far as like if they want to rebrand or branch out and start another company, the biggest thing is it's breaking it down of they need to know the market. They need to know their product. They need to know what they're actually providing to the client aside from just a product base, what kind of customer service, um, you know, what, what type of um, policies do you have? What are your core values and share those with your clients? You know, a lot of people think that, you know, setting those core values um, are so like, you know, it could be something that's like, okay, yeah, we'll do it. We have time. No, like that holds the standard for your employees. That's holds the standard for what, you, you know, your clients can expect. So I always break it down with them into, you know, categories of like, okay, what's our demographic? How are we marketing this? What's the strategy? What's the plan? And we walk through that. And once you actually put all the crap, I call it a brain dump. Once you brain dump all the crap that's filled in your head with the fear and you actually lay it out, they always say like, oh, well, that's not going to be too bad. Or like, oh, that's very digestible. We just get inside our own heads, which we Mm -hmm. all hear a million times. So it sounds cliche, but it's cliche because it's true of where we psych ourselves out so bad. Well, think about it. It's like, you know, you're asking a guy or a girl out on a date back in the day. You know what I mean? You like work yourself up like, oh, but if they say no, 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 no. And they say yes. And you're like, oh, okay. That wasn't so bad. So then you're not, not as scared the next time. Same exact situation. But the thing is, is that I do think fear is a great driver. Fear also causes nerves and anxiety, but I like to look at that as actually like a benefit. Like you said, you know, fear can be good unless you get too far in it where you literally are just like paralyzing yourself from it. But I always say, you know, when you feel those feelings, it's because you care. It's because you want to deliver a great product. It's because you want to, you know, do well for your clients and the bay in, in your brand and, you know, your personal brand, things like that. It's, you know, you always get nervous, anxious, scared before big events, before you ask somebody out on a date, before you get married, before you, you know, go to prom or whatever it might be before you speak. You know, I still, I've spoke a ton and I still always get nervous before I do it. Cause I just, I care. I want to make sure that I deliver a good product. So it's, it's beneficial um, a lot, but yeah, it can be a little bit debilitating. If you find it to be debilitating, that's when you need to really think of like, are you actually ready? Because I feel right now there's almost this weird gray shadowy area that people see entrepreneurship hyped up so much on social media that they convince themselves that they want to be an entrepreneur, but truly in their heart, they don't either have it in them or they don't want to do it. And that's where a lot of that fear takes place. You need to decide how bad do you actually want this? What are you willing to sacrifice for this? And what are you willing to, you know, give to make this happen? Yeah, fear is such a an important, you know, it's, it's such an important feeling, um, just not mm-hmm. even as entrepreneurs, just as, you know, humans to feel right. fear. And um, we just, you know, had an experience earlier this week where it's just, it was so random, Emily. We literally, and we don't know how it happened, but because of our... Um, it was something on Instagram or Instagram reels. And I'm guessing probably Corey's reels, because listen, if you ever want a nice laugh, go watch <laughs> SB Pace's reels and watch Corey. Cause he, for a man who hates social media, he's amazing at it. But we got, um, a, um, 
casting director from Supermarket Sweep reached out to us and asked us to apply. And we both saw the email because it went to our general like info email box. And he thought it was a joke. And I researched it. And I'm like, no, this is a real deal. So, you know, we, we talked about it. And then we talked with some friends about it. And Everybody was like, you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. Right. I posted it on Facebook and we got like hundreds of pl- replies of people like, oh my God, you have to do it. And most people yeah. were like, I can't wait to watch him boss you around in a grocery store because you know, he's <laughs> going to get mad at you. And I was like, no doubt. So then they emailed us again and they're like, are you going to apply? And so on Monday, every Monday we have a staff meeting and we talked about it in staff and we're like, let's do it. Let's just go all in. Right. So we apply and we do a, um, a and, and during in the application process, we both have to fill it out. They tell you that you have to do a, you can do an audition video if you want to, right? And I'm like, well, should we do it? And he's like, well, I mean, we might as well go all in, right? Let's do it. Yeah, so, yeah. so we do this audition video and literally within 24 hours, it wasn't even, it was probably closer to 12 hours of submitting our application. They reached out to schedule an audition. So we had an audition on Wednesday night and I was like crapping my pants. (laughs) I was so nervous and I literally had to give myself this pep talk of this is just one more adventure that you get to go on. This is just a moment. It is 30 minutes of your day. It is nothing. It's an adventure. Feel the fear and just go for it. Yeah. And And then when we when it was over, I was like. That went really fast and we laughed so hard the entire time. I was like, I can't even That's believe awesome. I was nervous about this. Yeah. 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 I, had I feel a, like it's. I was going to say, all I, all I thought about was I had to iron a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so did you get accepted yet or do you have to wait and see? We don't know. So they said the next step would be we would hear from the network. And then if we do, it's a background check. Because I even asked him, I was like, are you not anxious about this? Do you not have anxiety? And he's like. Oh, about, about the audition? No. And I was like, no. And just in general, he goes, oh, about being on national TV? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, I'm the person who's like been like working in the background my whole life. And now like, yeah, I'm I'm anxious. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, well, I guess we'll jump off that bridge when we get to it. But yeah, that's so cool though. How much fun though. (laughs) (laughs) Like what is happening to us? Like, I don't know. And that's fun. Yeah, it will be a really, really fun adventure if it happens. But yeah, it's that, you know, if you if I said my my go to instinct for everything is no. Right. In my head, if you were like if you called me and said, hey, Julie, come to St. Louis and hang out with me for a weekend. My default response would be no in my head, because I'd be like, I would just feel this fear and rush of anxiety and yeah. I have like sort of trained myself that every time I want to say no that's when I absolutely must say yes because it's going to be something really really good yeah so did you this that that's interesting you said that like your default is no um because I'm actually the same way but um you said you know out of like you know fear and that's like I'm more of a no because it's like you know but is that all hang on let's back up so do you say no out of like fear and stuff, but then also because you know you're sacrificing your own time within your business for things? No. Or is it mainly just that feeling the fear? It's 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 fear. It's also just like this, like I, I am, and Corey does not believe this, but it, I swear to you, Emily, it's true. I am an introvert. I have a really hard time around large groups of people mm-hmm. and I get drained really, really fast. And so I'm sort of, in some ways, I guess I'm preserving my own like energy and sanity a little bit, yeah, but I yeah, mostly yeah. just get really 
anxious about just being around a lot of people are doing new things. Gotcha. It's, yeah. It's yeah. really, really, it's tough for me. I'm Andy and I are like you, we always call it, we're introverted extroverts. Like you're, you know, you prefer to, you know, kind of just like stay in your, stay in your space, do your work, but you could be out there and outgoing and everything. You have that side of you too, but it is like, you just need time to like recharge and everything afterwards. So no, I was just curious about, you know, the purpose of the, of the no. Cause I used to not say no. And then I got like bitter and resentful towards myself because I felt like I was spreading myself too thin. So now my go-to is always no. And then if I, you know, feel like it or I have time or whatever, I'm at a good space with my, my companies, then I'll like, okay, yeah, actually I can do that now. So I was just curious if you had like that tinge of it of like, okay, no, but I can't, I can't get everything done if I say yes to people. So I'll just say no, you know? Yeah, I, I think most people have learned that I'm just going to say no. So they've stopped asking either that or I'm highly. They unlo- do stop asking. We don't get invited to stuff like family parties. And stuff <laughs> I know, like, that, right? like it's always usually like, no, no. Or we have stuff going on, you know? And I mean like extended family, not like immediate family, but it's just like, it's just so comical because people know we're just going to say no. Or my girlfriends will text like, Hey, do you want to do this? I know you're going to say no, but I still want to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to something that you said really early on that it's so funny um, when you said it, I immediately wrote it down because I was thinking about um, asking Corey this question when we were recording our part, you know, before you joined us on the show where you talked about resilience and resourcefulness and, Mm -hmm. and how related they are. And I think that on the, on the, the resilience side, and you know, I'm, I'm sure I've told this story before on the podcast, and maybe not, but I know people, there's a lot of people who know this about me already. If it had not been for 75 Hard, there is no way we would have ever started SB Pace because 75 Hard was the thing that taught me the importance of doing really hard things. That's mm-hmm. what she said. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You got to get that joke in there. <laughs> I'm eventually going to be mature enough to not I like, do that. I like that you couldn't even get the sentence out before you had to plug the joke. <laughs> I know. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, but it was such a um, such an important developmental tool for me. And mm-hmm. I it literally like changed my life. And it was the thing that made me know like, yeah, I can start a business because Mm -hmm. I know that I can, I know I have the resilience to get through this. And there was, you know, as you know, when you're starting a business, there is a lot of really, really tough times early on. And Mm -hmm. it's just, you've got to have that like push to keep going. Yeah. Absolutely. Hands down. That's a, that's a, you know, I started the paper and plan company in October, 2020. Like who I think about it, I'm like, I'm just crazy, but it is like, you know, get, I needed, you know, it's that push through because like I started a planning company in the middle of a pandemic when everything was shut down, no one could go anywhere, but Hey, buy a planner to make pl- these invisible plans. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so it's just, you know, and I knew going into it that that was going to be, um, you know, a struggle or some, uh, you know, a hurdle I was going to have to face. But then I, again, it was that fear thing of like, well, I don't know. I already ordered all these thousands of planners and what am I going to do if they don't sell? But then like literally it just launched and everything just handled itself. You know what I mean? I got super fortunate and it's been going great and everything like that. But it is just, it's that fear of knowing. And I have already planned, not a plan B, but just kind of like, okay, so what are A, B, and C plans for marketing and getting this out, you know, if, if ads and regular stuff doesn't work, what else can we do to push it? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm curious but, on the, on the paper and plan code, which I 
love the products, right? I'm literally writing in in the Jots and Jolts. Jots and Jolts. That's my favorite. It's my favorite. Thank you. Um, what? How much of the um, customer service and the the marketing, like that foundational stuff for the business, how much of that did you sort of look at what was really successful inside of first form and use for this company? Uh, none. I don't um, do anything with first form itself. Um, so I don't do any like the back end or anything like that. So um, the as far as the daily operations, like I operate it. Well, actually, it's funny because first form operates the same way that kind of like I did my flower shop. I always did like the handwritten notes and things like that. So, um, it's kind of something I've always done and okay. people tease me. I had a girlfriend send me a surprise gift, um, yesterday and I text her. Thank you. And she's like, don't write me a thank you. We're past that point. I'm like, no, that's just who I am. And you're getting the thank you card. So, um, no, I just, the customer service and everything like that, that's just something that's always been super important to me. Andy and I are very much aligned. Um, well, even when we first met of like how we want to do things and, you know, holding yourself to a certain standard, because if you don't hold yourself to a standard, you know, you allow yourself to crumble and you allow yourself too many gimmies in life. So, um, no, I just, you know, it's just something that I, I treat it the way that I want to be treated. Like if I get a package, I love it when it's beautifully wrapped and the branding's on point. If there's a handwritten note, like, you know, if I email customer service, I'll get a response within just a couple hours, if not, you know, within an hour. And so I just want to, you know, cause I built it to reflect what I want and, um, you know, so far that's, it, it's, it's been good. So <laughs> it's been great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're about out of time. I know that you're up at, uh, you've got to, you've got to leave here soon, yeah. but before we go, can, um, you let our listeners know how they can find more about, find more out about you? Sure. The easiest way is just Instagram, just at Emily Frisella, and then everything else you can find from there. Thank you, Emily. And um, before we drop jump into our outro, I just wanted to ask you, um, at, you know, thank you so much for coming on. But what what can we do for you? What what is there anything we can do to help promote your business or anything we can do for you, Emily? Oh no, I just appreciate you having me on here and uh, you know letting me speak a little bit and share my story. And you know, so no, I just appreciate the support and you guys considering me uh, and giving me the opportunity to be here. Yeah. Well, thanks again. And thank you to our listeners. Everything that you need to know about this show will be in the show notes. And if you want to work with us, the ways to get in touch with us will be there as well. And you can connect with us on social media. We are everywhere. LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we have a YouTube channel. Or you can just find everything on sbpace.com. If you're listening to this podcast, don't forget to download and rate our podcast, like us and give us a review. And if you have any topics or if you want to be a guest, head over to our website where you can fill out some forms and get in touch with us. Yes, lots of forms, lots and lots of forms. Just kidding. There's just one. It's not even that long. (laughs) Also, I don't know if you guys know or not, but we wrote a book. It's called Seriously, Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. And we so regret that we couldn't make that title just a little bit longer. It is a number one bestseller on Amazon. It has a digital download workbook for all of these exercises and maybe even some word searches included in there. Not really. And if you've already bought the book, you can please head back to Amazon and rate and review that as well because we love the feedback. That is it for our 100th episode. I'm Corey. I'm Julie. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.